as human beings, we always remember there's space for duality. There's this ayat of the Quran where I adore and I love and it keeps me grounded where Allah talks about, and I'm the Lord of tears and I'm the Lord of joy. And it's this idea that you can have both. So I am allowed to grieve the life I wish I had. I am human. I am allowed to grieve the life I wish I had. And I'm also allowed to have hope in the life I wish I could have, right? So this idea that I'm allowed to grieve, Allah allows that in my humanity. He gave me those feelings. I'm allowed to feel them. And then I'm also allowed to be like, in addition to grieving what I wish I had, I also have the hope that I know it'll, whatever Allah loves me will be. And yeah, I just, I pray to Allah that we always remember that. What do you do when the things you want most are happening for everyone but you? You're listening to Unsweetened and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 11 of season four. Who do you become when your plans don't fall through? When you are in the waiting period of your life? When I look back on my own life journey thus far, I realize if everything had gone according to my plans and not God's plan, I don't think I would have been as intentional or filled with all the gratitude I have for all that I was blessed with today. Maybe my relationship with Allah wouldn't be as strong as it is today either. Today, I am a bit more grateful that my life path came with a couple of bumps in the road and just the right amount of rerouting. I am where God has intended for me to be. A delay in our plans is essentially Allah gifting us with more time. Time to work on ourselves, to prioritize the blessings we have right in front of us, and maybe this delay is a much needed breather. SubhanAllah how even in the delay there is khair, and you can almost see how Allah is working on you bettering you for the next chapter of your life, a chapter that includes an answered dua of yours. And so while your dua is coming to life, Allah is also preparing you for it in the process. In today's episode, I sit down with a dear friend of mine, Halima Jama. Not only is she a talented photographer, but she is the type of sister that is always right on time with her words of encouragement. She is the friend who will send you a reminder at 2am letting you know how much you are loved. And for me, she is a reminder of Allah's mercy. And in our discussion, Halima reminds us that two things can be true. We can grieve what we had hoped to be, and we can be grateful for what is, right in this moment. In the process of holding on and believing that relief is being sent our way from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we also have to come to terms that there will be setbacks and loss along the way. Every single thing that happens to us is happening for us. And it's all part of the most intricate puzzle known to mankind, and that is God's plan. Let that sink in. Look back at how things in the past have unfolded and how you had become grateful for the way that things worked out. How every detail and every single event happened in the way that Allah had written. Look at how meticulous Allah is, how He creates every single thing with a purpose, and you are no different. In today's conversation, we are reminded that our life story is in the palms of Allah. Our life story is in the hands of our Creator. Our life story is being handled by the most merciful and loving beings we will ever come to know. Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Halima. I can't wait to get into this conversation. I really want to thank you for your time today. This is a conversation that has been on my heart and my mind. And it's a conversation that you and I have talked about so many times off mic. But I would love for you to first introduce yourself, inshallah, and then we can get right into it. 
Hello, Salaamu Alaikum. So my name is Halima. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. I am a wedding photographer in Toronto. But as of lately, I've been sort of nearing out of that and working towards a lot of my research, which is dismantling the stereotype about the strong black woman. Alhamdulillah. And as somebody working towards being a psychotherapist, I am obsessed with this topic because so often I feel like black women are not provided the space to exist, to feel, to be. And so Alhamdulillah, I've been using my space a little differently than weddings, where it's I just want to normalize black women being allowed to show up and feel. So Alhamdulillah, that's what I've been up to as of late. <laughs> I can't wait to to just learn more about, you know, especially that specific topic, because I feel like there's no such thing as talking about it enough. I think we need to continuously talk about it and hold space, especially for black women. And, you know, I had I just had Tahmina on and she says something so interesting. She's like, you know, we don't even talk about comfort and ease so much. We always are talking about our hardships and struggles. And that is true. So I would love to even learn about, you know, how does a black woman explore comfort and ease? How does that look like in those moments of peace or in those moments of ease that you find yourself in? And, you know, they're not too often. They don't come about too often. But what do you do in those moments and how do you celebrate those moments? So I feel like Halima, you are just incredible. You would definitely do that topic justice. And for today's topic, I want to talk about what if what I truly want isn't written for me. The reason why I say this is because I posted a snap and I literally put that line in there. I put like, you know, there's certain things I feel like are, are not written for me because they're just not happening for me yet. And I had such an influx of DMs of so many women sharing the same sentiment. How should I feel in this moment of waiting for something that may or may not be written for me, but how do I come to terms with the fact that something isn't written for me? And I'm wondering, Halima, if you've ever dealt with that or if you're dealing with this right now, like, is there something that your heart truly wants and it's just not happening yet? So how are you dealing with that? Because a part of me is like, okay, should I start going into the acceptance stage, accepting that this is not written for me? My goodness. SubhanAllah, Bihamdi, this is an idea that I'm constantly exploring. And I think as Muslimin living in this day and age of convenience culture, we have this sense of entitlement sometimes. Allah forgive us and Allah make it easy for us where it's like we just expect you make the dua and then X will happen right away. But it's, it doesn't work that way, subhanAllah. So there's various ways I want to look at this. The first way I want to look at it as I want us to reevaluate dua and what that even means to us. Because sometimes we just think, okay, so I'm making the dua, I'm doing the thing, and then the thing should just happen to me or happen for me. But really what we, what we're forgetting is that the dua was the worship. Like sometimes we need to remember yani whatever even brought us to Allah is the mercy, is the ultimate mercy. And maybe just coming to Allah was better than what we're even asking for. And then the other thing that I, I sometimes feel like I never want to forget, and it's a friendly reminder to myself first is dua is a love language to Allah. Allah's love language is dua. Allah is telling you, come to me, ask me, you know, and I, and I love when my servant comes to me and I love when my servant asks me and I love when my servant is humble knowing their life is at my mercy, right? So this idea of I never want to get so busy with my worship where I kind of forget the quality of my worship. And, and sometimes we get so busy with the ask, we forget about how do we beautify that worship. So there's that. So this idea of may we always be a people who remember if a thing even brought me to Allah, let me sit in that for a little while and kind of remember how am I asking? Am I so busy with my ask or am I busy with that worship first? So there's that one that I always want to remember. It's like, firstly, 
let's remember dua is not to be taken lightly. And when we're going before Allah and when we're going to talk to him, let's beautify that time. Let's make that time special. Let's make it beautiful. It's Allah's love language. So let's make it really worth our time. So there's that. The other part that I always think about that I just adore is this idea in Surah Maryam that Allah shares with us about Nabi Zakaria. And I want us to always remember like Allah could virtually talk about anything he wants in the Quran, but he does so in, in such a beautiful way that's so strategic and a benefit to us. And I remember, subhanAllah, there's a story where Nabi Zakaria wasalam, is witnessed to as he's a mahram to Maryam wasalam, and he sees, you know, all of these mercies and these blessings being given to her by Allah. It's so easy for us to kind of look at that and be like, but God, you know, what about me? How come I'm not getting it? Instead, what I love about the way Allah narrated that story is Nabi Zakaria looks at it and he's like, God, I see what you be doing for others, right? I'm in need of these blessings too. So it's so quick for me to be like, as a woman who's not married, I see my sister who's married and then I could get sad and I could get envious or whatever have you. But instead, I could just go to that same Lord who gave her those same things and be like, well, wow, if Allah could give it to her, he could give it to me. And what I love about the way that Allah describes Nabi Zakaria is the way that he says he was barren, he was old. All of these things that Bini Adi naturally would think, I'm just going to write it off. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to. But still, Allah is so merciful. Allah is so loving. Allah is so kind. When Allah did decide to answer, what did Allah do? Allah said, not only will I give you a child, I will give you a child who's a prophet. Not only will he be a prophet, but he will be somebody who anytime anybody mentions his name, they're going to mention his name with some respect. So imagine the one who said, Allah, you know, I'm barren. I'm this and I'm that. And then Allah is like, I got you. I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to give you a prophet. Everybody is going to pray for him. In addition to that, guess what? I'm going to name your son. Imagine like when Allah gives, he gives. And subhanAllah, I never want us to be a people. And I ask Allah to make this easy where we're so busy with the ask that we forget the worship and the one who's giving it to us. So I always want to preface it that way. The other last thing I want to say before yani, we begin another topic is that my goodness, subhanAllah bihamdi. I hope as human beings, we always remember there's space for duality. There's this ayah of the Quran where I adore and I love and it keeps me grounded where Allah talks about, and I'm the Lord of tears and I'm the Lord of joy. And it's this idea that you can have both. So I am allowed to grieve the life I wish I had. I am human. I am allowed to grieve the life I wish I had. And I'm also allowed to have hope in the life I wish I could have, right? So this idea that I'm allowed to grieve, Allah allows that in my humanity. He gave me those feelings. I'm allowed to feel them. And then I'm also allowed to be like, in addition to grieving what I wish I had, I also have the hope that I know it'll whatever Allah loves me will be. And yeah, I just, I pray to Allah that we always remember that. We're allowed to feel that grief. You're allowed. And we're also allowed to be hopeful. It's it's the component of Muslimin. And may Allah protect that about us. Allah, I mean. Halima, girl, you always make me emotional every time I listen to you. And subhanAllah, I just read that surah that mentioned that. And I, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, like what's stopping you from asking Allah of these things that you want so desperately, you know? And I think that's what I loved about Ramadan this year is it, it allowed me to just get closer to Allah in the form of dua, not just in the form of going to tarawih prayer, not in the, just the form of like fasting and reading Quran, but just making dua, like waking up for the hajjud, something I've never done before. And it's something that I was like, wow, truly transformed the way I connect to Allah. And it's something that I've continuously kept even after Ramadan. And yes, it's only been a few weeks, but still it's something that is just so beautiful. And, you know, this topic is very near and dear to my heart. I think a lot of us, you know, 
we have our own set of hardships and our own set of things that we've gone through. I think one of them being, I think that's always going to be on the forefront of our mind until it happens is, yeah, marriage and having kids and starting a family. Like, you know, like I said from before, like I felt it was something that was always decided for me or something that I was kind of pressured into. And, you know, without getting emotional, like this is something that I want right now in this season of my life for the first time ever. It's like, I want this. I want to start a family. I want to have my own children one day. Like it's it's hard not to get emotional about this because when you want something so badly and you don't know if it's written for you, it's a tough pill to swallow because at the other end of not knowing that it's written for you is also trusting in Allah, trusting that his plan is always going to be better than yours and that he knows best. But deep down, like this is something that I'm struggling with personally. It's, it's very difficult to talk about openly because, you know, when you want something so badly and you feel like, why is there such a long wait for me to receive? this like especially when you're surrounded by friends who have this when you see everybody receiving what it is that you want the most and you're you have yet to receive it yourself it's it's very difficult it's very difficult to witness and I just want to be honest I don't want us to always like sugarcoat things and pretend everything is just like oh it'll happen just wait your turn or be patient but in that moment of patience I'm learning to really trust in Allah in that moment but also understanding that I can grieve what it is that I'm longing for you know I can grieve and hope for like one day for me to receive this. But at the same time, I had a friend and she said it so just beautifully to me. And she's like, because I was discussing this with her and she's like, sometimes Allah tests you with the thing that you want most. And maybe just maybe it's because he really wants you to speak to him. And it's like, man, that really makes me emotional that like, even in these tests, even in these hardships, like Allah still shows his mercy. And I know that's so hard to comprehend. And I think because of the things that I've gone through in the past, I have no other choice but to trust Allah. Like I literally have no other choice but to put my full trust in Allah because the last time I did that, it just alhamdulillah it just turned my life for the better you know and this time around it's like yes this is like another huge test for me where it's like trusting in Allah in the process of waiting for the thing that you want the most and hoping that it's written for you and if it's not written for you learning how to accept what is and what maybe isn't, you know? So again, this is something that I'm personally going through right now. And everybody's on a different life journey, especially when it comes to marriage. You know, it's very nuanced. Everybody has their own opinion about it and in their own chapter and their own journey when in regards to just like being in that serious relationship, being in, in that partnership with somebody. So subhanAllah, we have to remember the culture we're living in. The culture we're living in tells us that this is what your life is. This is the best type of life. This is what you should look like. This is what you should be. Whatever happens, like we're constantly being told through societal standards, this is what you need to uphold to, right? And it's scary. It's so scary. But in addition to that, I think sometimes we lose sight of the beauty of our Islam where it's like, when I think about the Prophet ﷺ and I think about his companions, not all of his companions were married. So this idea that the nasib of marriage isn't even written for everybody, right? And they were still a people who made it to Jannah. And then this idea of just because you're married doesn't even mean you're promised the nasib of children either. And then just because you're married doesn't even mean you're promised the nasib of the mercy that comes from marriage. And well, I think about that so much where I'm just sort of like, Allah, I understand and I acknowledge that this may not be my nasib, but I don't know that. I don't know what's in my nasib. All I know is that subhanAllah bihamdi, I need to show up every day and make that worship beautiful. I need to show up every day and make that prayer gorgeous. I need to show up every day and talk to Allah like I know he's going to give me because he kept telling me in that Quran, he stays giving people anything and everything they ask him. And even subhanAllah bihamdi, that's another thing. Sometimes we get so tied up in the way that we want something to look like and we want something to be that we forget, but Allah already has a way that he sees it for us. 
I always have to humble myself and remember Allah is the writer of my life. Allah, Allah is the writer of my life. And if he's the writer of my life, my life is going to be great. Whether or not, subhanAllah, bihamdihi, I'd like to in some moments think so or not. But if Allah is writing my life, it's just going to be great all the time. The other thing I want to always remind myself and humble myself to, in addition to these things, not the possibility of them not being my nasib, is that Allah is so loving in the fact where as a human being, he acknowledges and he understands that he built my humanity with feelings. What I'm in control of is being able to be like, Allah, how do I bring these feelings to you in a way that you love me more for it? Whenever I get to that point where I feel like maybe just maybe it, yani it isn't written for me, maybe something is wrong with me. I just go to Allah and I say, Allah, we're going to talk, you and me. And then subhanAllah, Hamdi, like there, there's a mercy that comes from that jihad where it's like, I left it with the greatest writer of my life and I left it with the one who loves me the most and the one who built me just to love me. SubhanAllah, like I, that sometimes absolutely humbles me. But I want to say one thing to the beautiful things that you shared with me. Firstly, I hope you know I'm holding space for you and I hope you know that I love you and I hope that you I know love you. I want. And I hope that, you know, Allah knows what you're going through and Allah is aware of everything. And there's one thing I have learned is my life is a portfolio and that looks like I am a daughter, I am a sister, I am a best friend, I am subhanAllah, so many other things. And I always have to remind myself the portfolio of my life is not dependent on my status of marriage. I am so many other things things that are also so fulfilling. Like I think about the mercies Allah has provided us where it's like some people try to get married just so that haram they can leave a house that they feel like it's toxic. And I remember there was a client who may Allah grant her Jannah and give her everything she wants. She said to me, and I kid you not, she said, home was always a place I used to run away from. And then when I got married, I told myself, my home is going to be the place that when the world gets hard, I'm going to run to. And how kind is Allah that you and I, we can genuinely say the home that we live in doesn't make it so that we need to settle because the home that we live in, we are so loved on that we don't have to just go out in the streets because the truth of the matter and you and I can agree if we wanted to get married we could virtually marry anybody that's easy but the question is is there anybody worthy to us like is there anyone worthy for us to be able to leave the house that we're not made to cry right subhanallah and I always want you to remember like it is easy for us to get married easy 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 but what is not easy is just settling for anything and everything and I hope that you know that you holding your self-worth and high regards and trusting in Allah, Allah will have something for us so worth it. For, like that, That's his promise. Like at the end of our patience will come the most gorgeous of reward. And I trust him and I love him and I know he's got our back. I do. And well, on everything, like that's why this Ramadan really meant so much for me because I, for the first time, like I felt the power of du'a. There were other du'as that were actually answered for me within Ramadan. And I was just like in awe. Like I was like, oh, nice. It's also, it was just a way for me to always just kind of con converse with Allah. And, you know, I'm trying to also, you know, have this perspective that there's khir in everything. There's truly khir in everything. And I know we say closed doors, but are they generally closed doors if there's really just a way for, for Allah to reroute or redirect us to open doors like every time there's a closed door there's an open door right there next to it that Allah lovingly nudges me towards and tells me this is what you truly deserve this is what I've written for you and subhanallah you know what's I find so interesting every time we make drive for something not only does Allah give it to us if he decides to give it to us but he always gives us something better like 10 times better and I think a lot of times it's just it reminds us of who we are and our humanity and reminds us of like our creator is so vast he's so infinite that anything that we ask for he already 
has something 10 times better planned for us. And, I, and that's, I think, what, what I'm really holding on to, that hope, that knowing that whatever I'm asking from Allah, Allah is, is going to give me something even 10 times better than what I'm asking. And a lot of times I think as humans, we just like honestly have tunnel vision. And what I mean by that is, yeah, I, I do fall in the trap where I'm making dua for just the version of me in this dunya that's living in this dunya. Forgetting that there's going to be a version of me living in the hereafter that's going to make it to the hereafter because the hereafter, of course, exists. So it's like, what du'as am I making for myself for the version of me that's going to exist in the hereafter? I have to also realize that like there's certain things that Allah is withholding from me in this dunya because he's written it for me in the akhirah. And how beautiful is that? Isn't that our final destination, the akhirah? This is not our final destination. Do I want everything that I'm asking from Allah in this dunya, where it, which is it's going to be so temporary, where my life, every step that I take, I'm actually taking towards my death. I'm getting closer to my akhirah. Like, isn't that what where I really want to thrive? And, and succeed in is in my akhirah. And I think a lot of times I, I find myself, I do make dua in this dunya and that's okay. You should, you want an easy life. You want a life filled with ease in this dunya as well. But it's like, I also have to realize like maybe certain things will be written for me in the hereafter, in the akhirah versus now. What are your thoughts about that? Like how how do you kind of like transform your vision and, and also realizing like this dunya is honestly temporary, you guys. Like the akhirah is where it's at. That's where we're all going to be reuniting. Inshallah, inshallah. You know, subhanAllah, Hamdi, what was coming up for me while you were speaking was that I used to be so obsessed with marriage and I was heavy in my anxiousness about marriage because society, again, tells us more than often than it should that, you know, as women, biologically, your clock is ticking. So this idea we're confined to a the status of our marriage as women. And then again, we're confined to our biological clock. OK, so so you have all these odds being constantly told are against you. And I remember being so obsessed with this idea, right? Like I need to be married. I got to get married. I got to have kids. Otherwise, is going to happen. And then X, Y, the third. And then I remember, Ya Rabbi, Ya Ila, my mama, Allah grant her shifa, Allahumma ameen, went ameen. through a life-changing accident where she went from an able-bodied woman to a disabled-bodied woman in less than 10 seconds. And subhanAllah, bihamdi, today, as, as her primary caregiver, who's been caring after her for almost now, like we're nearing the fourth season of this time for us, Ya Rabbi, I think about it and I'm like, Allah, you couldn't have loved me better. And the reason I say this is because I think about that and I, if I were married, and if I had kids, I could never show up for my mama the way that I show up for her today. And the strides that we have in her health comes from the fact that she was loved on well by somebody full time. And Ya Rabbi, I think about that all the time. And I'm like, Allah, you knew this. You wrote my life. You knew about my life. You knew what was going to happen. You knew, like, had you made me somebody who was married so long ago, I would have never been able to show up for my mama the way I do now. Right? Yeah, of course, you can pay help. There can be other supports available. But how loving is Allah that he allowed me to be there for my mom and to show up for her and to be that mercy for her. And whatever dua she's making, Ya Allah, make my days easy. Ya Allah, don't test me more than I've been tested. And what does he do? Allah gives her a daughter who's able to do all of that for her. So her, her dua being answered through the vessel of her daughter. And I think about that all the time where I'm like, Allah, I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. And though I have these needs, I'm a human being. I remember the ayat of the Quran I mentioned earlier, Allah is the Lord of tears and Allah is the Lord of joy. So this idea where 
we're always going to be living in duality. So in, in one hand, yes, I'm allowed to grieve the life I wish I had. But on the other hand, I'm so grateful to Allah that I'm able to show up for this woman the way that I can, in a way that nobody else can, subhanAllah. And I think about that. I think about that so much where I'm just like, you know what, Allah, if the mercy of my life and the legacy that I was going to leave in this world was going to be that I'm the caregiver of my mama, God, I'm good. God, I'm good. God, I'm so good. Because still I think about my mothering and I'm just like, Allah, the mothering that I knew that is in my heart, I'm able to give to her. And, and no, it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm not the mom that I imagine to my own kids. But how thankful am I? To be able to be that mom to my mama. Like so and, and she calls me big mama, which is like the Aww. cutest thing ever, subhanAllah Hamdi. I say all of this to say I, I know this dunya is hard and the jihad of our nafs where it's just like battling with what we want and what Allah wants for us. But subhanAllah Hamdi, I always think whatever path it was that Allah gave me in this world, so long as I show up answering that call, so long as I show up humbly, so long as I show up working towards being like, you know what, Allah you wrote this for me. I'm not even mad at you. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm hurt. But you know what, Allah, you love me and, and you did this out of love for me and you created me out of love for me just to love me. You know what? Allah, make this be the legacy that gives me Jannah. Allah, make this be the path that leads me to you. Allah, make this be the very thing you love me for. And then I just find some sense of solace in that. And then I just think about the akhirah, the akhirah. This is for my akhirah. He didn't set me up to fail. He set me up to just so that I could win. And I just got to answer that call beautifully. Allah, make us the best. Allahumma ameen. May our akhirah reflect even better than the efforts we put forth here. Allahumma ameen. Inshallah, Ya Rabbi, Allah rewards you. Rewards you for the way that you take care of your mom. The way you speak so highly of your mom and your family. Other people in your position, they, they probably wouldn't treat it as such or see it as such. See something as taking care of another person as a blessing. Some people might see it as a burden for you. Like, mashallah, like the way your relationship with your mom is just one of the most beautiful relationships that I've witnessed. And, and you know what? It's also a reflection of who your mom was and how she took care of you and how she loved you. And look how, how you're giving it back to her tenfold, mashallah. Look, what a beautiful relationship and it's a relationship birthed from Allah's mercy. A lot that people don't see. They just see you as, okay, you're a caretaker, but they don't see the, the nights you have to wake up in the middle of the night making sure that they're okay. That anxiety of making sure that they're okay. There's a lot of anxiety built into it. And for you to do it, so at least what I see so effortlessly, I know behind the scenes, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of heavy lifting. So I love you, Halima, for that. And honestly, may Allah reward you for that. Man, when you really sit down and think about all of this, Halima, like what a huge intricate puzzle and that Allah crafted and then you get to witness it all falling into place and even when things feel like they're not working out subhanAllah there's no such thing because it is working out it's how you're choosing to see your creator and what he's doing for you and again when I say these things it's it's a reminder to me first and foremost because I do fall in, in that path of just despair. And it's like, I, I need to avoid that because man, my God is so kind. He saved me from so many things. And all I had to do on my end is just call upon him. You know, having a connection to our faith, having connections to Allah, it's not truly effortless. It does take work on our end. You also have to admit that it takes much more work on Allah's end. We take one step, he takes 10 steps. We call upon him with our words and he grants us all of our wishes. He just makes sure that everything works out in our favor. And like you said, he built us to love us. It's almost effortless on our end. It's almost effortless. I don't want to discount the fact that yes, it takes a lot of effort to pray on time, to make sure you're, you're paying your zakat, to do all the five pillars and to, to make sure you're worshiping in different ways 
ways, but it's also like realizing that worship comes in different forms. It's there's different ways of worshiping Allah outside of our prayer mat, outside of reading the Quran. Subhanallah, like he he truly genuinely wants to make this dunya as easy for us and and gives us the so many different avenues of succeeding, of making it to the akhirah, of making it to the highest of heavens. I just want to thank you, Halima, honestly, because that really just like brought out a lot of emotions for me, and it was just a, a reminder that I needed. You know, a lot of times we think that Allah forgets us, but Allah never forgets us. It's us who forgets Him at times. And it's like, Ya, ya Rabbi, Allah prevents us from those moments where we have distanced ourselves from Allah. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit further when, when it comes to just like our shortcomings and how that kind of changes our relationship with Allah. But it's also like, how can we beautify our relationship with Allah after facing a shortcoming? Lastly, I, I just want to talk about like who we are when we are in the season of waiting. I think you're like the perfect person to talk about this because again, like both you and I have our own things that we've made dua for that we are waiting for. But the version of us in this season of waiting being better than who we were when we first approached Allah. I think subhanAllah, like I've grown so much. When I first made my du'a, when I first tried to make my du'a, I was a different person than who I am right now, waiting for my du'a to be answered. And inshallah, ya Rabbi, I'm always in in this moment better than who I was when I first approached Allah with all that hope, hoping that I can get this du'a answered right away. But here I am still waiting and I'm thankful in this moment that I'm waiting because it's just allowing me to just even converse so much more with Allah, to connect so much more with Allah. How has your season of waiting been? How do you reflect upon who you were when you first made dua to Allah or when you first even just like embarked on this journey of making dua versus who you are today? SubhanAllah, you know the story that comes up for me, I always think about it. I think about Aisha radiallahu anha and how she had the mercy of being able, somebody would be like, Ya Aisha, uh, where is the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? And she'd be like, oh, he's at the masjid. People would say like, oh, you're looking for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Oh, he's at the masjid. Oh, okay. You couldn't find him? Did you try to check the masjid? Like I always used to be like, SubhanAllah, Allah, find me a spouse. Like I would be obsessed with that dua. Like, Ya Allah, give me the mercy that you provided Aisha radiallahu that when somebody said, oh, Halima, where's your husband? I could just be like, my husband is at the masjid. You gonna yes. find him there. Sis. I would always be like, Allah, Allah, allow me that mercy. And I remember being somebody who, subhanAllah, and we've had this discussion where, yeah, I just immersed myself in the masjid. And in addition to immersing myself in the masjid, building my ranks in that masjid, and Allahumma barik, there was a time where I had gone through something really, really hard. And Allahu Akbar, my my parents, Allah grant them Jannah, Allahumma ami, they asked my friends, they're like, Yani, we're looking for Harima. Can you help us? Do you know where she was? Were you, Yani, did you speak to her? And they said, my friends, did you check the masjid? And wallahi, I remember subhanAllah bihamdihi, my mama comes to me there and then my friends came to me there and I'm like, how did you guys yani, find me? And they're like, so the first thing we suggested was let's check the masjid and maybe Harim will be there and then let's consider other things. And I remember thinking and I'm like, Allah, here I am making the dua, Allah make like make me somebody who will be privileged with the mercy of having a spouse who when somebody is looking for them, I can say, did you try the masjid? And Allahumma barik to be somebody, well, I dunya, I'm not, 
I always like I marvel in that mercy where I'm like Allah and in my time of waiting you beautified me and you made me that why wait for something that I don't have any control over but why not be obsessed with what I do have control over which is me and subhanAllah yeah I still make that dua but I think about it where I'm like Allah if I had to make that dua for you to make me a person of the masjid Allah I see what you did there like I always have these jokes and, and these conversations with Allah where I laugh where I'm just like Allah I see what you did there I, I see <laughs> I had to do that to be this person for that. I'm just so grateful. And when I think about like going back to mama, I always think like prior to that, subhanAllah, I used to be like, Allah, you know, I have these needs. I want to be a mama. Allah, I know I'll be a great mama. Allah, you have seen me and how hard I worked on myself. Allah, allow this mercy for me. Here I am taking care of a person who, who can't even do basic things for themselves. And I mean, lift themselves up, shower, eat. And, and what is it when we're holding a baby, right? SubhanAllah, we're that baby is dependent on us for basic survival needs and how kind is Allah that when I got to love someone that way and in the way that I've been praying to Allah that I can love someone that Allah allowed me to love my mama in, in the most dignified and honorable way it doesn't mean the dua that I say oh Allah make it so that I have my own kids I can be this way to changes it just means that Allah you set me up so that I could be that person to work on that part of me just so that my mama could benefit from it today and this was somebody at the hospital hospital haram they would say and she's never gonna walk again and not only will she never walk again like they literally wrote her off and haram like she comes to our home now Allahumma barik and how loving and kind is Allah and for me it's like do you know who Allah is what does Bini Adin know what does Bini Adin know and today mama Allah make it easy for her the way we loved on her she's walking from one side of the house to the other oh, side that's of the house. amazing and subhanAllah and, this is the one that they said won't right so I say all of this to say sometimes subhanAllah it is so easy for for us to grow anxious and to feel defeated about the future that we don't have. But it's so important for us to sometimes sit with ourselves in reflection and be like, you know what, Allah, and all of the things that I'm asking you of, what have I asked you of that I have? And Nabi Zakaria, there's this line that he used, and it makes me cry when I think about it. And he said, never has there been a dua that I have asked Allah that has gone unanswered. And, and subhanAllah, I think about that and wallahi, it is true. Never have I asked Allah of a dua that has gone unanswered. Ever, like ever, Allah has always shown up for me. Allah has been the only one sometimes who's shown up for me. And I think about that where I'm like, Allah, if I had to go through that just to be the person I am now, Allah, I am ready. Whatever else, subhanAllah, you have planned for me. Let's do this. Let's go. But yeah, I always, always want to bring it back to there is a duality in life that we have to remember. It's the balance of this world where it is, yes, I can grieve, subhanAllah, what I wish I had, but I can also sit in gratitude. I could also sit being hopeful. And I ask Allah to strengthen both of that for us because they're both so necessary to keep sane. Halim, when you were saying all that, honestly, it made me think of something that I read. Our beloved Prophet, peace be upon him, once said that the best form of worship is waiting for relief to come from Allah. And that is so true because you're putting your trust in Allah knowing that the ease and relief is coming your way. It's written for you. And yes, like, man, I've found myself in moments where it's like nobody showed up for me. And I'm not saying that I'm not surrounded by loving friends and family, but sometimes they do not. They do not understand what you're going through. Sometimes what's in our minds, we keep it there and it's on a loop and nobody understands your heart and mind or even knows what's inside your heart and your, or in your mind other than your own creator. And he's the one that always shows up for you. 
there's moments where I, I don't even make dry. I don't even ask Allah to show up and he still shows up. Like how beautiful is that? How merciful is that? That there's moments where Allah saved me before I even asked for that protection or asked for him to guide me or be there for me to protect me. It's almost like you have this bank of du'as and you made so many du'as and in moments where you do feel so weak and, and frail and, and you're overcome with this hardship that Allah still protects you. Even though you're not making du'a in that moment, He still reminds you that you've always continuously made du'a. You've always tried to connect with me and have a relationship with me. I think when we were little, we we're always taught like, be a good person, be a good person, like do good deeds because that's what gets you into heaven. But it's not just that. It's the patience that you have while you're going through that hardship. And what is patience if you don't trust Allah? How can I have patience if I don't trust Allah? They go hand in hand. And I think that's like super, super important to talk about. I do want to kind of dive into like shortcomings. This is something that, you know, it's always on the forefront of our mind. I, yeah, we're imperfect Muslims. We have our flaws and we have our mistakes and we have our shortcomings and we're trying our best. But then sometimes these shortcomings weigh heavy on our hearts. And, you know, sometimes honestly, subhanAllah, like life does get harder the more knowledge you have because you do now know better. You've read the Quran. You've prayed. You've went to the jam. You've connected with so, so many individuals. You've learned so many so much about your faith. You've listened to so many lectures. You're equipped with so much knowledge that you know right from wrong, but you still, you still fall into the traps of doing wrong from time to time. And like Imam Al-Ghazali once said, the greatest consequence of sin is not the punishment that comes with it, but the distance that comes between you and Allah. I know I've had so many episodes on here about like, hey, remove that shame, make sure you connect to Allah. Allah knows what you did regardless, just approach him. But still as a human being, oof, I swim in that shame. I know Allah last week we were talking, I was doing good. This week was not my best week. And it happens. It happens from time to time. But when I read that, I was like, oof, that is so true. That sin does distance you from Allah. And it's not Allah pushing you away from him. It's you pushing yourself away from Allah. There is a story that I think about all the time whenever I think about having wronged myself. And I love the way that Allah narrated the mercies of these stories for us because he knew we would need something to lean on. And he made sure that we had enough stories so that there is no Bini Adam who could ever say, I had nothing to relate to. Because he didn't just give us the Prophet ﷺ, he gave us other messengers. In addition to other messengers, he also gave us companions of those messengers. Like SubhanAllah, so there is no virtual excuse for any Bini Adam to be like, but I had no one to relate with, right? But there is a specific story that Wallahi, when I think about it, Allah is my witness. SubhanAllah humbles me when it comes to shortcomings. And it's Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And it's when he was on his way to kill the Prophet and then Ya Rabbi, there was the change of the heart where subhanAllah, he turned to Islam. Imagine, I don't think there is any single person who I know, including myself, who has ever gravely wronged themselves to the extent that subhanAllah, they were going to kill the most beloved to Allah, right? Like imagine, I don't, not, not to say, not to belittle anybody's haram, but I don't know a single human being whose, whose evils in this world is so bad that it could even equate or even come near to the one who was going to kill the beloved of Allah. That beloved of Allah, despite that, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu turned to Allah and Allah forgave him. Not only that, subhanAllah, he's buried next to him today. He's amongst the few people buried next to the Prophet. Like, I can never get over that. Like, I think of uh, Abu Bakr Sadiq radiallahu anhu who's buried next to the Prophet but I'm like, that man deserves it. Give him his flowers. SubhanAllah, that is the best of companion. I talk about sisterhood, but then that brotherhood, I pray for that, right? Like, that's the relationship. You're just like, Allah, give me companions like that. But then you think about right next to that is Umar ibn 
Ibn al-Khattab imagine the one who was about to kill the Prophet and then today subhanAllah Ibn Hamdi is considered the companion of the Prophet and is buried next to the Prophet uh, I, I cannot <laughs> myself knowing that there's a rub like that out there for me right like when I when I think about that I'm just like Allah not to minimize my haram but if you could extend mercies to that person where today I can't mention that person without making dua for him. Like, I have to literally say, Umar ibn al-Khattab, like, I cannot mention his name without making dua for him. You can't even mention his name without making dua for him. He's not even a messenger. And subhanAllah, we have to think about that. Like, we really need to think about that and be like, the forgiveness of Allah is so immeasurable. Our mind can never even fathom it. And haram, you never know. So you can go to sleep a terrible person, but you can wake up the best of creation. And that's just the mercy and the love of Allah. And I and I always, I would rather, it is so easy for shaitan to get in my head and tell me you're not worth nothing, you're nothing. But I can easily tell myself the same God who loves Umar ibn al-Khattab, who loves me too. And if he can love him, the one who was about to kill the messenger, وسلم, uh, uh, I'm good. But it is so easy. And and I know, and that's the jihad al-nafs, the, the, the battle of your nafs that you'll go through your whole life. And I get it. And I understand. But subhanAllah, I think it is so important for us to remember the love of Allah is far way greater than any haram or evil that we can do. And the only time something we do is unforgivable is the moment that we forget that Allah could even be that love for us. Because we think about what are the most, ter- what's the terrible thing that we can do as Bini Adam is when we associate Allah with anything else and we forget his mercies and his love. And I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to always make us amongst those that always remember Allah's love is greater than any haram that I can do. And so long as I'm living and so long as I'm here, like I think about my mom, and Allah make it easy for her, subhanAllah, her salah and her relationship with Allah means so much that, yeah, she will be like, you guys help me with my hijab, please, I can't miss my time with Allah. You guys, please cover my feet, I can't miss my time with Allah. You guys, my wudu, please help me. And, and I think about that and I'm like, but Allah is so forgiving, Allah is so loving. But she will say, no, so long as I'm still here and I have ability, even if it's minimal, Allah will ask me about how I use that ability. And if I can still speak, that means I can advocate for myself. And if I can advocate for myself, I can get the help I need to fulfill that salah. And I think Think about that all the time where I'm just like, the love of Allah is just so vast. It is so, it's worth running after. And so long as I'm here, I better stay more busy with running after it than running away from it. And I can't let Shaytan win. I just, I can't give him yes. that Like, I just, I can't. <laughs> oh gosh, Halima, that last part, spending my days running to Allah instead of running from Allah. When you really think about how short life is, how many loved ones we've lost, and it feels like it's as if they never even lived a day in this dunya, you think about even your own mortality. And it's like, am I going to waste another day running away from Allah because of my shame and my guilt or thinking I'm not doing good enough or even just like skipping on prayers and stuff like that. And this is just for me personally. Not only do I not want to miss prayers, I want to pray them on time. When you think about it, Allah granted you the 24 hours in your day. I can't reserve maybe an extra two minutes for dua, for dhikr. Who is giving me this time? 
It's the same being that I should be praying to, the same being that I should be thinking. But don't allow these blessings to be an afterthought because these blessings can turn into tests. And I've learned that the hard way in certain parts of my life. When you take a blessing for granted, it becomes a test. You know, giving into the worldly desires and forgetting who who gave this to you. When we're talking about like even shortcomings and just like committing sins and like how Allah still chooses to love us. It's like Allah is just as accessible to the sinful person as he is to the righteous and pious person. That even when a righteous person is making dua, Allah is still listening to the one who just committed a sin who is also making dua and seeking his forgiveness. Allah doesn't shut you out. It also reminded me of the part where I read in Allah Loves and it really, really touched me. It's like, it's almost like you know this stuff, but when it's like you're reminded of it, it hits you different. It was like the part where I said, like, there's no such thing as a sin that can permanently disqualify you from the love of Allah. If you repent afterwards, if you repent afterwards and you use that to build a better connection with Allah. You know, and it's like, you think about like everything that we've been through, Halima, and obviously we can't compare the things that we've gone through, but everybody has their own set of hardships Allah has written for them. But you think like, subhanAllah, how your, how your rank with Allah is increasing with every hardship you're going through. And sometimes, like I said this in other podcasts, sometimes that's just the reward of the hardship. Sometimes you make a dua and you want a certain thing, but the reward in itself is just being close to Allah. What better reward is there than that? Just being close to Allah. I want to thank you, Halima. This was like, honestly, such a beautiful discussion. And there was one dua you made and you posted on your snap and it hit me. I was like, girl, this is, she's the queen of duas. Like Halima is literally the queen of duas. You, you're like, ya Allah, grant me humility without humiliation and gratitude without loss. I was like, this is just such a beautiful dua. That is so true. Grant me humility without humiliation, without being hum- humiliated for me to gain that humility, for me to not experience loss to understand the gratitude, to be grateful for what I have. But if you can expand on that, if you want to just share any last words of advice or just anything that's on your heart and your mind that you want to share with others that you're compelled to share with others. But other than that, this was just such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Sometimes the greatest gifts in life that Allah gifts you with, they come in human form. And honestly, for me, Halima, you're one of them. I always say like Allah I love sister dunya subhanallah I love her for your sake and I love her for my own selfish reasons and yeah sometimes and this is subhanallah going back to that dua of Allah you know don't take anything from me so severe that that's the only way I can learn gratitude I'm naturally somebody who's always in reflection like I'm always sitting down and, and I'm taking that time for myself to be able to sit with Allah and just kind of reflect and I don't think this dunya gets so noisy and so loud and and it becomes so difficult where you're just so consumed or that you forget to take that time to just be like God, me and you right now, right? And then I'll be sitting there and I'll just think about Allah, you you really love me and I know that you love me by the mercies that subhanAllah you've extended to me I always make that dua like, Allah, don't make it hard for me to see your mercies. Allah, don't make it hard for me to see the way that you show up in my life. Allah, always make it so that I could look at my life and be like, Allah, I see what you did there. And yeah, Ila, when I when I think about our companionship and this is what I mean about like the, the brotherhood between Abu Bakr Sadiq and the Prophet, the type of love you want to have in this world is the love that brings you back to God because it, it, otherwise I don't want it. And and when I think about our love and our relationship and our sisterhood, subhanAllah being so centric to the love of Allah. Like I remember one day coming home, subhanAllah, and there's a kitab waiting for me. And I'm just like, I didn't even know what sister said this to me. And here I I'm asking all the sisters and then one day Dunya randomly says, hey, Halima, did the, did the kitab come? I'm like, it's you. It's, it's you. And, and, and 
you think about this and you're just like, Allah, like you have loved me. That subhanAllah, my sisters are not only just making dua for me, but they're thinking of my Islam in a way that I can grow closer to you. And they're making Islam even more accessible than it already is. And that dua is so important to me. Like Allah, don't take something from me that I have to go through that sort of grief and that kind of pain to be able to be grateful for what allow me to just be able to be grateful period and it just comes with constantly sitting with him and constantly reflecting and constantly working on self and earlier i said dua is a love language and it's allah's love language and before we wrap up i just want to make dua and then inshallah ta'ala call it a day and, and live our best lives with allah in mind allahumma yes. ameen so okay bismillahirrahmanirrahim the first dua for the one who is listening to this that i want to say is oh allah i ask you for forgiveness you reserve to your beloved both in this world and in the hereafter oh allah make forgiveness my forever companion oh allah i ask you to send to me your guidance in a way so magnificent the journey to you and to what you love becomes easy and nothing short of beautiful oh allah i ask you to lift the sadness that weighs my heart down and to replace it with the love of you and the love of what you love. All I ask you as your humble servant who adores you to send my way your light and love and in abundance so that I may always be overflowing with it. Oh Allah, I ask you to bring me a joy made just for me and my name from the depths of your mercy and love for me. Oh Allah, I ask you to forgive me for what I have done that I am aware of and for what I have done that I am not aware of. Oh Allah, I ask you to send good news my way in the form of a dua I ask you, but done so better than the initial ask. Oh Allah, I ask you to make me grateful without loss and to make me humble without humiliation. Oh Allah, I ask you to beautify my heart and to consume it with your love for me. I ask Allah to lift any and every mountain you've been carrying and send to you relief. I ask him to walk with you on the days when walking feels hard to do. I ask Allah to send you light so that all you can see is hope. I ask him to love you more, to hold you tighter, and that his warmth consumes your every being. And lastly, all I ask you to send good fortune through your choosing to anyone who finds themselves listening to this and in need of all of this. Thank you all for having me, for praying with me, for holding space to hear me. May Allah always hold space for you. Amen. I love you. I love you for the sake of Allah. I love you for just the beautiful and fruitful relationship, friendship that you've given me, Halima. Honestly, mashallah, like you're honestly just such a genuine gift to me. I don't take our friendship lightly. You're such a, a just a ray of light in, in the lives of those who, who you're surrounded by. Wallah, you are just such a beautiful person inside and out. And it's just like, sometimes I think like the mercy Allah grants me is is the friendships that I have. Like, girl, you're all the way in Canada and I'm all the way in Chicago. How did we meet? How did we become friends like this? How did we become sisters like this? Because of Allah. No, subhanAllah, 100%. But like, I think, yeah, you know, that's the beauty of showing up. You're trying to show up in a way where you're like, Allah, I'm in need of any good you may send me. But that's the thing. You don't even get to decide what that good looks like. It could be that I said, Allah, I'm in need of X. And then Allah will be like, you know what? Not only will I give you X, but I'll give you X, Y, Z in the third. And you're just like, Allah, I see what you did there. Alhamdulillah. And I, I, I genuinely pray to Allah that we're always a people, subhanAllah, of reflection, that we're always a people who understand the duality of this world, which is two things can be true at the same time. You're allowed to be, but you're also allowed to be hopeful. You're also allowed to be grateful. Yay. Inshallah, Ya Rab, Allah grants every dua that is nestled within your heart and inshallah, within the walls of your heart. Inshallah, for the both of us. 
yes i i love you so much halima and thank you for just being that friend that reminds me of my creator every single time every single time well every single time our conversations are not wasteful they're always just so impactful and that is a gift in itself to just have these type of conversations so thank you so much halima love you and this was such a beautiful conversation 